Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're halfway through the week, and and the world's still here, and it hasn't blown up yet. Not uh, yet. And, uh, well, it's, San Francisco will not blow up because... Uh, it's been they, cleaned up. It's been cleaned <laughs> up, and, uh, and and Xi, the president of China, is there, with, along with President Biden. So it's a well-protected city, except one of the camera crews yeah. got held up at gunpoint. Yeah, yeah. What a surprise. I guess uh, Gavin Newsom wasn't able to sweep that away. I guess not. <laughs> Uh, in the studio with us today is Congressman Peter King, uh, Judge uh, uh, Richard Weinberg. And uh, guys, uh, it's an interesting world, isn't it? Certainly is. I tell you, each day gets more chaotic. Uh, you know, obviously the meeting with the president. If I can take one second on this congressman from Tennessee, he was yelling about what a wimp this guy is. You're talking about <laughs> Tim Burchett. Yes. And, did somebody and, hit him in the, in the gut? No, yeah, first of all, give he, us the he said story. He got hit in the kidney. No, he said, he said Kevin McCarthy elbowed him in the kidney. The fact is, there's a crowded area. There's reporters around. There's cameras. If Kevin McCarthy's going to take you guy out, it's not going to be with 100 photographers there. So, Pete, my, my favorite was your response to it. Yeah, you man up. Man, man up, up. Come on. Man up. And my man other one up. is Kevin, keep punching. Wait, now, what about the but, other but one? Isn't your, your hobby boxing? Yeah, I enjoy it. But so you're the, one tough guy. <laughs> well, so you guys, know, John, you guys in school, you guys are always pushing around in the gym and all. That's all it was. And this guy, what a wimp. He's out crying on the steps of CNN. Come on. Did you man. see, by the way, did you see uh, Mark Wayne Mullen, the senator, of oh. course, from Oklahoma? This is what my favorite, boy, congressional hearings. He was with a UAW guy. Wasn't no, it? it was a Teamsters guy. He's a tough guy also. Yeah. Teamsters guy. And the two of them, he even like stood up. He was taking his – it looked like they were physically getting no, come to blows. Yeah, I, I, I was in Congress with Mark. He was a champion, one of those UFC guys. Yeah, he's an MMA. Yeah, my, MMA. Money, I, my money was on him. And, yeah. al- and also his wife is also MMA. The between the two of them. I mean, oh, Mark, the wife Mark, is Mark too. Wayne is a tough guy. The team's are pretty tough. Who knows? That would have been a good fight. Yeah, that would have been. And, and the old Bernie Sanders broke it up. That was the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, to see Bernie Sanders. Yeah, the Bernie the- Sanders or Larry David. I don't know who it was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> looks the same. We don't have Curtis in the closet today. Yes, we don't. That's true. And we did yesterday because Eric Adams was here. The mayor was here. Yes, yes. And we're going to have Eric Adams for uh, the Police Athletic League uh, lunch this uh, Friday. And uh, Great. I think we're sold out already. That's- and you had Kathy Hochul also this week. Yeah, the governor. You have had like an action-packed uh, Police Athletic League, yep. John. Yep. That's amazing. Now, uh, the big the big news today is uh, that the uh, Ch- the president of China Xi is in San Francisco meeting with the uh, uh, president of the United States, uh, Joe Biden. Who better to tell us what the heck is going on? And Gordon Chang, you want to bring him back? Absolutely. Uh, Gordon Chang, of course, his Twitter handle is Gordon G. Chang, and he has written so many books, including The Coming Collapse of China. Uh, Gordon, your take on what you've seen so far. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like a lot of big headlines, and it seems to be carrying over the Biden appeasement policy. We're going to find out very soon, Rita and John. Um So far, all we've had are just some opening statements, Um, Xi Jinping demanding respect. My response would be, why should we respect someone who's killing Americans, someone who's committing genocide and crimes against humanity, someone who's trying to break apart his neighbors with aggression? 
It, it just seems to me that that was um, something that Biden should have actually responded to. We'll find out a lot more at the press conference. But the early indications that this isn't going to work out well is that there is no, there's going to be no joint statement. There'll be a U.S. statement. There'll be a Chinese statement. But apparently, even beforehand, they knew they couldn't agree on anything. So well, in other words, by giving individual statements, they can both lie. And it's not on the same piece of paper. It's called shaping the narrative. I want to know who goes first, right? Because who gets the, cause the last word usually is, is the one who wins. Chicken or the egg? Yeah, exactly. Which one came first, Gordon? Well, I think that uh, when they have their joint press conference, it's going to be President Biden who goes first because he's the host. And that would be the protocol. But, you know, you never know with Biden. He might agree to something to give the Chinese more um, prominence. But whatever is the case, this is not something that we should be doing right now. We should be imposing costs on China because we've been talking to them for three decades, intensively, actually. And for three decades, they've been stalling and we've allowed them to stall. That's on us. We should put an end to that and actually start to defend the United States and our friends and allies. Gordon, it's it's Richard Weinberg. You're trying to tell me President Biden didn't give up enough? (laughs) Well, you know, we don't know. I mean, we'll find out a lot more in a couple hours. Now, um, President Biden said that the most important thing to him was climate change. I mean, isn't China building uh, at least one coal-fired uh, plant a, a week or something? Something like that. And we know that they're <clears throat> the biggest emitters of carbon into the atmosphere. We know that um, we actually – this shows you the failure of engagement, John – The 2015 Paris Climate Accords actually gives incentives to China to pollute more until, quote unquote, around 2030. That's really hideous when you start thinking about it, that we actually signed an agreement that allows them to pollute as much as they want and gives them the incentive to do so. This is Pete King. Uh, What's the latest on Taiwan? Well, Taiwan is having its... Maybe the Chinese uh, minders were listening to you. Pete, I think they heard you and said, uh-oh, we're not. <laughs> he's back. He's oh, back. he's back. Go ahead, Gordon. And so it's unlikely that China is actually going to do anything from a military point of view other than huff and puff. In other words, send ships and planes near Taiwan. Yeah, they'll continue to do that. But in terms of actually invading or using force, I don't think that they're going to do that until after the election because they want to see how that turns out. And they very well may think that they can persuade uh, people in Taiwan to vote their way. I doubt it. But, you know, that's always the possibility. What about, um, uh, Gordon, about uh, fentanyl? Because one of the things that's been sort of touted in the last 24 hours is this deal on fentanyl that maybe China would stop uh, or at least crack down on some of these companies that are producing the chemical that we know fentanyl is coming through our wide open southern border in return for the president not criticizing China. I, I mean, I believe that China would hold to a promise like this for what, like five minutes? It seems like such a joke. It, it is. And actually, um, President Trump came to an agreement with China on fentanyl, which Beijing has completely ignored. You know, Rita, there's one thing, and that is that American politicians don't want to acknowledge a horrible reality, that it's the Communist Party, not the criminal gangs that are killing Americans. Because China runs a near total surveillance state, which means that these large fentanyl gangs can't operate without the approval of the Communist Party. 
We also know that Chinese diplomats um, give cover to the gangs. The gangs launder their proceeds for the Chinese state banking system. And every container that leaves China is inspected by a Chinese official. So it's not the gangs that we should be worrying about. We should be worrying about people like Xi Jinping because they are the ones who are responsible for fentanyl deaths. And instead of coming to agreements with them, what we should be doing is actually arresting um, people on the Politburo Standing Committee, including Xi Jinping. People might think that's drastic, but the point is, Last year, 70,000 Americans died from doses of illegal fentanyl, most of it, all of it coming from China. And that means why would we allow someone to kill 70,000 Americans and get away with it? Yeah, but you know, the thing is, and you know this better than anybody, Gordon, I mean, this president has just been uh, very, I think, apathetic when it comes to China. I mean, look what he did with the spy balloon. We all covered that spy balloon as it was touring the United States over sensitive U.S. military bases. And then it goes off the coast of South Carolina, and now let's shoot it down. I mean, it, it just that's that was sort of a metaphor for his policy with China. Yes, and you know, afterwards, uh, Biden tried to minimize what the Chinese did by calling it "quote this silly balloon." Well, that silly balloon surveyed our nuclear weapons sites, which means that China is actually preparing nuclear weapons strikes on the United States, and. I don't think that any president should minimize what the Chinese were doing. Well, thank you so much, uh, Gordon Chang. And Twitter again, at Gordon G. Chang, to get 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Twitters of what the heck is going on. Thank you so much. Thank you, John, and thank you, Rita. Thanks so much, Gordon. By the way, Rita, the other thing we didn't mention today, uh, we did the uh, press conference on the Turkey Drive, uh, WABC, along with the... uh, St. Francis uh, community. Beautiful with the St. Francis food pantries. And uh, uh, the FDNY helped and uh, AARP helped. 10,000 turkeys uh, are being given out. Beautiful. And uh, we had the press conference on the church on 30th Street and, uh, and uh, we gave out, gave out a couple hundred there. And the trolley came, right? The, the trolley fam- came. Our, our famous WABC and the trolley. The were there and, and you could watch the YouTube uh, on uh, the WABC Twitter uh, handle. Yep, and I think WABCRadio.com, yeah. they put it and, up too, uh, which is awesome. And uh, let's tell Doug to make sure to put uh, put it on uh, WABC uh, on the uh, On the Facebook? On the website. Yeah, on, on the, the website, website too. too. Yep, you bet. And it's a small, I think a few minutes, about seven, eight minutes uh, of uh, YouTube tape on, on the whole press conference. But and you know it's, what's beautiful? It's, it's very nice. And we also gave a special tribute to Father Francis... Uh, who ran along with Joe Sano the uh, uh, St. Francis know, Saint food Francis pantries? Food yeah. pantries. Uh, he passed away last weekend, uh, and uh, we we had a, a, a one minute. Uh, he was such a great man. He passed away man. and did so much for the community. And John, you know what I love about the Turkey Drive? It is the perfect way to kick off the holiday season too. Yes, because it yes. makes you appreciate what we have absolutely, and to give back to others. It's great. Okay, is Alphonse D'Amato on you? We have the former great senator of New York, Al D'Amato, and Senator D'Amato. Um, we want to ask you. This is this is amazing because of the migrants and other issues that are happening with New York. Huge cuts are coming. NYPD is freezing new recruits. And also, uh, they said, the mayor said yesterday that school safety officers, they won't be able to hire them, and parents are now going to have to basically police the schools. Parents are like, this isn't our job. Uh, At what point do parents start getting stabbed? 
Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. It is crazy. I mean, and and of all time, Senator D'Amato, to say uh, we're going to cut back on security issues, this is crazy. Yeah, counterterrorism is going to be cut back also. Yes, yeah, yeah, May, uh, Bill Bratton was telling us like 75%. That's a huge amount, Pete. Sure uh, is. Of all times, Senator, your thoughts? It's really sad. And people don't know what's taking place. Go into um, any any store today, and you'll see half of the store is locked down. Yeah, you, you, I went to buy some razor blades, Gillette razor blades. I'm not advertising for them, but you can't get them. They're locked. So you have to go get somebody who comes, right, an employee to unlock it so you can buy razor blades. We're, we're not talking about, you know, fine whiskey or fancy items, radios, televisions, razor blades. Because that's how the, the, the crime is breaking out. And here in New York City, when we, we are fighting to keep people here, to keep them in the city, uh, uh, the police commissioner can't hire right uh, the people he needs because the mayor doesn't have the money. Uh, school kids aren't going to be protected uh, uh, because we can't pay for it. Sleepy Joe. Close the damn border dam and don't ask for $14 billion so you can keep doing the same thing at the border. It's a pretty simple thing. You don't come into the border until we clear you. You stay in Mexico or wherever country you're coming from. That's what you do. The European communities have to do it that way. So you don't just send people to the border. And then they come over and we say, well, you have to appear before the judge. And none of them appear, 90% of them never appear before the judge. And we have a, a, a crisis on our hands. Sleepy Joe, wake up. And let me tell you, it was one of your people who tipped me off before I came on the program. I did not know it. Do you know what Sleepy Joe's Secretary of State did yesterday? Yesterday, they made it possible for Iran to get $10 billion more by waiving the, the, the sanctions that were placed on Iraq as it relates to giving Iran money. Can you believe this? Yeah, it, yeah but they, isn't that part of the course? $10 billion. Now, what do you think they're going to do with that money? Huh? Oh, it's only for humanitarian. Sure. So they, that's. Money that they would have had to use without this goes to humanitarian. And that, that money that they get now from Iraq goes to the humanitarian. And the money that they save, where does that go? It goes to buy the bombs. It goes to supply the armies that attacked Israel and that attacked maybe 50-plus times our bases in Iraq and in the Middle East. This is craziness. You know, you know, Senator, Senator D'Amato, I I wake up and protect this country. I agree with you. By the way, you know, isn't it amazing to you that an American president would be talking about this right now, that he wouldn't, you know, include the sanctions? It goes with the same thing as what he's doing with oil, with Iranian oil. I mean, it's it's, how anti-American is this? They got 50 billion dollars under his administration's where they had a, 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 an absolute enemy of the United States, a stooge for Iran, 
as the envoy, the special envoy to Iran, and he was able to make it possible for Iran to get $50 billion. How do you think they got these arms? How do you think they're supplying Hamas and others? Well, Iran supplied, listen, it's not, not Iran, it's the mullahs. The, the Bin Ladens of 2023. Right. Let's let it. It's not the Persian people. It's the no. mullahs, and they supplied the money to the Hamas, well, who created havoc in uh, in Gaza, created havoc in Israel, created created havoc. Yep. It's going to create right, havoc all over the. Well, place. let me tell you what we have to do. We have to take the handcuffs off of Israel and let her knock out Iran's nuclear capabilities when she can do it. Or we have to do it ourselves. But the point of the matter is you cannot allow them to go fully nuclear. It is absolutely wrong. It's a threat to the United States and to democracies throughout the world. We're in trouble. And and Sleepy Joe is going to negotiate with the Chinese. You think they're going to cut off the fentanyl, the drugs that make fentanyl possible? Do you really think so? Yeah, absolutely not. (laughs) I doubt it. But here's Sleepy Joe. You know, he's getting ready. And remember this. I predict when he secures enough for the nomination that at the very end, he withdraws and picks his successor to run. As a Democrat, who's that? Don't be surprised. Well, I I think it'll be Michelle Obama, because Obama is running the State Department. All right, the former president, his influences with the State Department are incredible. Uh, we hired the former envoy that he had to Iran. We brought him back. That's the thief and the crook that they quietly fired in Mali. Yeah, Mali. And yeah, they still right. and they still have that woman there who has, right. they haven't even waived her security that's, clearance. That's the woman at the Department of Defense. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. She's 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 one of uh, Kerry's stooges, and she's pro and undercut pro Iran and undercut the Iranian opposition. And she's still working at the Department of Defense. Hey, I was just PK. When you were in the Senate and now, do you know anyone that's more anti-Israel than the State Department? Those people there are Arabists and anti-Israel, undermining uh, to me our, our alliance with Israel. And they're terrible yep. people. Yeah, well, Peter, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, and, and they are exposing our country unnecessarily. And, and make no mistake about it, Iran did what she did because she panicked when she saw Saudi Arabia and Israel coming together. Yep. And that's what precipitated that attack. When they came in, raped women, children, etc. Okay? And and you now have this war. Uh, Israel, we have to support her. We have to support her getting rid rid of Hamas. And I want to tell you something. I wouldn't vote for Biden's border package of $14 What's he going to do with it? Is he going to change the policies? Is he going to say, you can't come into this country until we clear you? If you're coming in from Mexico, we got to clear you from Mexico. I'm trying to help. Some poor immigrant who used to work with me, her granddaughter, who's in another country, wants to come in. She's filling out the papers from abroad. you got to see they've turned her down because they don't have enough money. The State Department says 
uh, to let this kid come in. All right. So I said, well, I'll vouch for it and I have to sign affidavits, et cetera. That's the way you should do it. Damn it. Yeah. I come in here. Don't know what they are. Let criminals come in. Let drugs come in that are killing our cities, killing our people. And now cities don't have enough money to hire police. And Senator, hold on one second. Uh, Peter King has a question. Yeah, Al, I just have one question. Yes or no answer. Uh, local parochial question. Have you ever seen a better local political leader than, than Joe Cairo? Oh, my God. But he is the best political leader I have ever seen in my 60-plus my years in, in political activity. Nobody. Nobody comes close to what he does and how he does it, how effectively. And we had the city of Long Beach has been under Democratic rule and control for 40 plus years. And they had they swept. And it's about a four to one Democratic Mm -hmm. majority Four Democrats forever Republican. They swept all three council positions that were were up uh, and they've, they've come in. Every town uh, uh, we captured, um, just incredible. And he brought good government. His people yep. stand for good government. Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. County executive, what um, a great job he's doing. And you bet. And, and, and Senator, we got a we got a hard break, real quick, real quick. Go ahead. No, 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 I was going to say we got a hard break, but listen, we can't wait to talk with you soon. Senator oh. Aldamato, we love you. Uh, love the fire, well, too. Good being with you and my, my great friend, Peter King. Thank Absolutely. You, Thank Thanks, you so much, Al. Al. And speaking of uh, good government, we're going to talk about uh, the battle that's going on. Uh, and for Albany the is a lines. big battle. Oh. Yep, big. And we're going to talk about that after the break. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we got with us uh, former Congressman John Fasso. Uh, Congressman, uh, what the heck is going on in Albany? Any any decision yet on what's happening? Uh, no decision yet, John. Uh, actually, the Court of Appeals today uh, or this week had their hearings, had their court hearings and arguments in Buffalo. So um, we all went to Buffalo uh, this morning. The argument was at 1 o'clock this afternoon. The proceeding was supposed to last an hour. It lasted about an hour and 45 minutes. And um, it was uh, quite revealing. Uh, Democrats are trying to get a a do-over on redistricting. They lost last year. They got caught red-handed trying to gerrymander the state. And now they're back with yet another lawsuit trying to say, well, that decision last year, that was only for 2022. And that for the rest of the decade, the the legislature should get another bite at the redistricting apple. Um, obviously, we think that's wrong. And we're hopeful that the court will agree with us. John, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. Good to hear your voice. Seems to me it's unconstitutional in the New York State Constitution. It seems they have no grounds to do this, but they're doing it anyway. Yeah, it, it, if, if the court 
uh, agrees with the Democrats, they will have to twist themselves in, into what I call a constitutional pretzel, uh, ignoring uh, statute of limitations restrictions, ignoring a prohibition on mid-decade redistricting, ignoring stare decisis, the, de- the principle that uh, we, we give heed to decisions that were previously rendered. And this was just last year when uh, the redistricting issue was was argued, and um, so, we won that John, case. Uh, yeah. So, so everybody understands it in, in our audience because you know you're a professional. You know what the story is, and Peter King is a lawyer, and and uh, Judge Weinberg is a lawyer. A lot of simple people out there. You did the redistricting, and the Democrats did not like the judges. That we're going to be, they're going to go on the court of appeals and and also the higher level courts. So they cooked the books and they put, they made, they made sure that that the common sense uh, judges did not go on there. Is that correct, uh, John? That is correct. Um, they blocked Judge LaSalle from. Uh, and he's, a, I understand, he's a very decent guy. This Judge LaSalle, I never met him. But I understand Judge LaSalle is a very decent guy. Absolutely. So they didn't want a decent guy. They didn't want a decent guy. They wanted a guy that's going to obey orders. That's terrible. So, John, explain also to people listening why it matters to them also, for for our listeners, why this is such an important issue. Well, it it matters because uh, every 10 years we're supposed to redraw the the district lines to adjust for population changes, etc. That was done last year. The Democrats passed a, a... a redistricting plan that violated the Constitution because they they wrote that plan so that only so, so that virtually no Republicans would get elected to the House of Representatives, only four out of twenty six. When the, when we succeeded in court because we proved that they violated the state constitution, they violated the provision that says you can't have a partisan districting. Uh, you're not supposed to advantage one party over the other. We proved that they did that. <clears throat> The court ordered a special master, a neutral expert, to draw the lines. And we wound up winning 11 seats out of 26. But more importantly, for the people in your listening audience and the citizens of our state, these were fair, competitive districts. They weren't one-party districts where one party had a lock on the seat. So our view is very pretty simple. We think the people should elect the, the representatives. The representatives shouldn't pick their, their voters the voters should pick the representatives. And, and, and so, John, John, this is Pete King. You've done a great job of this. Let me ask you, you were there. Through the line of questioning, you indicated all uh, which direction the judges are going in. You see how it's dividing up? Well, I, I, most of the controversy in the, in the questions and the argument today was over whether this lawsuit was brought on a timely basis. Um, we believe that it was not brought on a timely basis within the four months that you need to bring a so-called mandamus action to force the government to do something or not do something. And uh, most of the questions uh, from the judges were about this particular issue. And I think, frankly, uh, we sense that this would be the most important argument. And our counsel, when we, the case was argued, we really stressed this in our legal papers because that would be an easy way for the judge to right. skirt the political issues and decided on a procedural issue. They didn't bring the case on time. Well, let's see what happens. Uh, John Faso, keep us posted. This thank, is a big thank deal. Thank you, John Faso. And thank he, you. And, you know, it's the rule of law. 
And uh, it looks like I, I hope more lawyers go to their ethics classes. Yeah, absolutely. The old, and judges. Uh, yeah, and judges too, right. Yeah. John, thank well, you. It, it, thank you very much. It's great to uh, hear all of you, uh, Katz and Richard, and, and uh, my great friend Peter King, my, my local leader. from. We're both from Seaford, New York, originally, so it's, it's great to hear, be with all of you. Great to be with you, John. Thank, thank you, John. Keep Let's us take posted. a break, and we're going to come back. We've got um, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis talking about some big threats to the homeland, by the way, well, John. Well, big threats to the borders, too. And uh, then we have Dr. Mark Siegel and then Michael Goodwin. Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, with us right now is Congresswoman uh, Maggie Takis, and uh, she's got a few things that she's upset about. Uh, uh, Congresswoman, uh, t- tell us what's up. Well, John, it's, uh, you know, I just came out of a hearing, my Ways and Means Committee. We just had a hearing on anti-Semitism on America's campuses. Uh, and I thought it was a really amazing discussion, one that has to be had, unfortunately. I think we came up with some uh, good ideas. And some of the things I propose is we should be looking at uh, making sure that the Department of Education is utilizing the uh, specific Holocaust definition of anti-Semitism and enforcing it on college campuses. And if these campuses are allowing this activity to take place and their professors are participating in it, um, then we should be looking at stripping federal funding from those institutions. We should be looking at preventing federal aid uh, from being used at those institutions. We should uh, be, be looking at deporting individuals who are, or stripping those student visas from individuals if they are participating in anti-Semitism on those college campuses. And I thought, you know, we had a very good discussion, bipartisan. I think we're going to move forward here with some uh, good pieces of legislation to address this growing issue. Um, and um, Nicole Maliotakis, did you also see, too, like NYU? There's a whole bunch of NYU students that are now suing NYU, saying we're not protected. Yeah, we had, we had a student from Cornell testify, uh, uh, and she's very concerned about her safety. As you know, that was the campus where an individual is arrested for making direct threats um, to 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 kill Jewish students on that campus. And by the way, that guy is released a Nobel, of course, in Kathy Hochul's New York. Um, but the truth is, is that you're seeing it in 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 from 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 whether it's Cooper Union or MIT or George Washington University, NYU, Columbia. Uh, you're seeing this type of anti-Semitism in which they are literally praising Hamas. Okay, professors that are. Uh, teaching children that Hamas are, are freedom fighters and not actual terrorist organizations. I mean, it's really horrific to see and heartbreaking to see this type of anti-Semitism in this country. Uh, it, it, it's just uh, it, really the, the way that uh, it has ex- exposed itself. We, we always knew we had issues with hate crimes in New York City and across America, but the way that this has exploded since those horrific attacks by Hamas on October 7th is just astounding. You know, um, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, you talked about also like the terror threat. Um, there was also some really stunning testimony that came out today from the FBI director, Christopher Ray, who said that because of everything that's happening in the Middle East with Israel and Hamas, uh, that basically a hornet's nest of terrorist groups are now uh, preparing, you know, uh, attacks on potentially U.S. facilities overseas and domestically. 
just how dangerous this moment is and even brought up ISIS, which we haven't heard about in a while, saying that ISIS is now trying to plan attacks. How worried are you with our wide open southern border? Well, look, I've been sounding the alarm on this for a long time now, going on two years. Uh, very concerned in a post 9-11 world, what could happen here when you have 1.7 million gotaways. These are people that purposely de- de- evaded law enforcement and they snuck into our country. That's what CBP is estimating. That's on top of the 6 million who have applied for you know, asylum and whatever through our southern border. But I'm talking about the gotaways, people who per- purposely evaded uh, our government, and we know they're here, but we don't know who they are, where they are, what their intentions are. That is concerning, particularly when we saw Bagram Air Base, the jail, uh, you know, all those uh, terrorists that were released from that prison uh, by by the Taliban uh, because of uh, this botched withdrawal from President uh, Biden. That is a concern. And Iran has directly made threats against the United States. I mean, they, they told us that they were going to try to attack the United States on our own soil following the murder of Soleimani. So uh, we, we have to be vigilant, and, what we're, what we're, and that's what we're not doing under this administration. And it really, really uh, should be troubling to everyone that the mayor continues to embrace this uh, crisis, uh, that the, the Well, you see what happened to him, Nicole. I, 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 you know, I like to defend the mayor now. Uh, you see what happened to him when he did get together with the other mayors uh, and try, try to threaten Biden. You mean he got rerouted he very got quickly? rerouted <laughs> real fast. And I believe that was a – I believe – my personal belief is it happened because he tried to rile up the other uh, black mayors to go and uh, what Biden complain did, about the border. Yeah, Biden didn't like the criticism. Yeah. Now, now the other well, that's, thing that's, that's uh, I'm upset well about – there's, uh, the other thing I'm very upset about is the fact that uh, uh, the, the South American countries are opening up their jails and said, why should we f- feed these people? Send them up to uh, New York. Send them to the, through the border. And then the, the other things that my intelligence sources tell us, that they're opening up the hospitals and, uh, the mental and, the, and the AIDS patients. And the mental institutions. Uh, and, and the mental institutions. The AIDS patients are being sent to New York saying that New York will have a cure for you. Yeah, look, uh, John, it's just completely outrageous. And the one who really gets doesn't get any blame for this, but is really part of the problem is, is Senator Chuck Schumer, who refuses to take any action. We passed the border security bill in May. He doesn't want to take our bill. And I understand that it's full of Republican priorities. Yes, we do want to restore the policies of President Trump that were actually working and stemming the flow. Title 42, uh, ending catch and release, Re- reinstate remain in Mexico. We, we want to have more visas. We want to know who's coming in and out of our country, right? But he won't pass don't have bill. a country. He won't pass his own bill. If you don't you... like our bill, pass your own bill. Let's reconcile the differences, but do something when the mayor is telling you it's going to destroy New York. I agree with you 100%. Uh, Senator Schumer should pass his own bill and have checks and balances on the borders. That's, I feel that way. But you know what? You know what? Also, though, you guys, here was an opportunity to impeach Mayorkas uh, for that wide open border. What happened, Nicole? Because there are a number of Republicans who voted against that. Yeah, look, I, I obviously voted uh, to impeach him. I think he's ridiculous. By the way, bravo. Bravo. I mean, that's an easy one. Country. 
Uh, but what, look, some of these members are saying that it has to go through the committee process. The committee's been investigating it. We give them time to wrap it up, and then we will take the action to impeach once we have the investigations concluded. But we know what we know, right? Which right. is allowing yeah. a very unsafe and unsustainable this, people see it. People see it in front of their very eyes. You know, they, they, the borders are wide open. Yeah, it's like a Nicole, football stadium of people. Nicole Magutakis, <laughs> thank you for coming on. Thank you for fighting for New York. Thank you for fighting for our country. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you all. Thank, thank you. you, Nicole. And uh, let's bring in, you know who, I, I really miss this guy. Mark Siegel is I back. miss him, too. Can He's I miss best. him, too? We love him. He's we all the best. love him. Mark is the best. Mark Siegel, about, welcome I back. I could talk about the border health. I actually have a piece coming out on that in about a day. But I want to tell you, John, of all places I could go, you shouldn't be upset that I went to Greece. And that's why you couldn't reach me. I mean, I was in Greece. What an amazing place. I was looking for an island with your name on it. Oh, my, there's a couple, by the way. There's a couple. Of them. Yeah, where did you go? Where did you end up going, Dr. Siegel? Well, because it was the off season, we were we spent some time on Santorini and Mykonos. You know, I don't like tourists, but they weren't there. It was a good time to be on both places. Not a lot of tourists, a lot of great food, beautiful vistas, really relaxing. I never take a break. I actually took a bit of a break. Then I came back and went down to Texas and rode mountain bikes with President Bush and the Wounded Vets and filmed that for Fox. That was pretty incredible. I saw you right in the thick of it. That was really fantastic. By the way, Mark, we got a special guest just entered the studio. We have uh, Larry Kudlow is here. And uh, Larry, Mark Siegel on the phone. Mark just got back from Greece. Tell us about the Greek islands. (laughs) Fill us in, Larry. I've never been to Greece. That's, well, you are missing out. Yeah. You are missing out. Uh, you He's know, never been to Greece, but he but he's probably been to Texas, though. Yeah, I've been to Texas. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark, this is Pete King. Uh, how is President Bush's attitude? Well, he's around veterans, disabled veterans. He's like a, a, an amazing. He's always an amazing man, but exceptionally so when he's with veterans. You know, he was very, very much that way. Just what you just said, Pete. He was um, he was really relaxed. He was joking all the time. Uh, he was, you know, they really relate to him. They look up to him because he leads on a personal basis. He said some very profound things to me. He says a very down cycle in history right now, but we will bounce back and that we need hugging rather than yelling. And, you know, he, he hates how political everything has become. And he he's more for love than hate. And uh, he talked about vets coming in from the darkness. It was so poetic from him. I mean, he's, he's a student of history, but he said that on the ride, vets are coming in from the darkness. Another vet will say, I was in the darkness too. come with me into the light. And then the, the challenge becomes, how do you continue that sentiment after the ride? Because they have Team 43 and they have all kinds of networking going on. And it was a great time to be there the day before Veterans Day. The chicken sandwiches were pretty good. I, I had a great time. But it was muddy and cold and rainy in Texas. I couldn't believe that. They said it was 50 degrees. It was muddy and rainy. And it was t- it's tough to ride a mountain bike in the mud. By the way, you look like you were in pretty good shape, too. Go ahead, Larry. George W. Bush is a great man. He's yeah. a long, yep. a personal friend of mine. Known him forever. Um, so underrated. We have, yes. Uh, both of us figured out in the middle of their lives that um, we ought to quit drinking. And so we both did. And he encouraged me and I encouraged him. When he was in the White House, I saw quite a bit of him. And I supported him. And he got railroaded through that financial crisis. He didn't really have anything to do with it. 
but he had to do the cleanup, which was very difficult for him and the entire Republican Party. But also, I always felt, you know, if you go back to um, 9-11 and you think about the attitudes in this country and how furious people were and how they wanted to defend America, he took very strong steps, controversial steps, Homeland Security, FISA, Afghanistan, Iraq, understand, very controversial. Historians will grapple with this for, God knows, 50 years or more. But at the end of his presidency, we were safe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very important. You know, Larry, I think about the moment, too. That forget moment. Forget about that. Well, how about him standing on the rubble, too? That moment yeah. is seared in my memory. What what a leader at that but, moment well, to say, they're, they're, they're all going to hear us now. I mean, that was... That was a good moment for him. I also but, featured the pitch, the pitch from the mound. I oh, featured I was that. Hoping, I asked yeah. about it. Because, because mm. you know, he, he makes jokes about his, bouncing the pitch. He said in the latest World Series, his Rangers won. He loves his Rangers. He was mocking by Yankees. But he said, well, you know, I deliberately skipped that pitch. But, uh, but Rodriguez, I don't, you know, wasn't re- should have been ready for it. But he said one of his strongest moments was standing on that mound. Because <clears> not only the, the moment you're talking about on the car, on the mound, 50, 60, 70,000 people, you know, he was fearless. And he showed us courage, to Larry's point. And the war on terror was real. And he, but he, you have you know, to he remember, looks very prescient. He, he looks very prescient. He was thrust into a situation mm-hmm. in wartime, it was completely unexpected, and had to reformulate. You were in Congress. Oh, yep, at the I was time. with him at the time. Yep. He had to reformulate the national security architecture of the United States Entirely. government, right. which was one hell of a thing. And um, it was controversial. It will always be controversial. There were. Main issues, but but he never wavered, no matter what. Right, he has strong character, strong backbone, and he kept America safe. I mean, right. isn't that the bottom line? For Absolutely, these and he did it. I, I happened to be in the cabinet room with him in the afternoon when he was talking about throwing the pitch that night, and he said the whole world was watching. He said we were at war. The president cannot bounce a pitch in war, <laughs> and he was really, but he was serious about. It. He was out in the rose garden with the uh, uh, the vest on because he, he had uh, thrown the opening pitch of the Baltimore Oriole game. He didn't know he had to wear a vest. And when he did it, he bounced it. And he said, I can't do that tonight with the whole world. He was, he, he was not kidding around. He was very serious. He was in the Rose Garden all day, mm-hmm. making sure he had, a, he had his pitch down. He understood the moment. Yes. Understood the moment. I spent a, I spent a, I mean, I've, I've known him for a long, long time. Um, going back to uh, when Reagan was president and his father was vice president, there was a golf outing in Cypress Point, California bunch of guys i didn't really know him but one year i got invited and i was invited a couple times later and bushy and i were roommates for this golf outing. we'd play golf for three days and playing gin rummy at night uh, so i've known him forever i spent a lot of time with him um we talked about coming into his administration but i had a tv career on cnbc in those days but i spoke to him when president trump um talked to me about coming into the government i consulted with president bush and he was, uh, he said, do it, do it, you got to do it, go in. And, you know, his, he's lowered down the list now, but I believe over a period of time on the list of presidents, you got all these left-wing historians that do these lists, but whatever, he will rise on the list because he kept 
America safe. We need that now. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, now, Larry Kudlow says, Mark Siegel, make sure you join us for dinner real soon. By the way, one final thought. I, I agree with every word that Larry says, knows him better than I do. I, I love him, and I, I've become friends with President Bush. But I want to just emphasize one point of this. He leads from a personal perspective. It's a personal form of leadership that people resonate with. In person, he's not dominating you. He's meeting you as an equal. He's looking at you in the eye. He's making a joke. Maybe he makes a joke about himself, about you. It's a, a warmth, a man comfortable in his own skin, well, a great a, natural leader. He's a man of great Face. Mark Siegel, yep. thank you for Great coming face. on. And uh, we're going to have to take a hard break right now, but we're going to come back with Michael Goodwin from the New York Post. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And joining us now is the great Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, Michael Goodwin. Michael, uh, you wrote a really big column about time to declare war on the colleges with all this anti-Semitism. Uh, hello, Rita. Yes, it's, uh, it's quite shocking, I have to say. I'm, uh, I'm sure many people uh, on your team there also were just, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see the, the depth of it, the, the, the width of it, the anger, the, the willingness to effectively support Hamas. Mm. Uh, it was quite shocking, and uh, I think it's something that has to be dealt with. I think the government has a role, but it's a limited one. I think the real work has to be done in these campuses, and I think the college uh, presidents and administrators, uh, most of them have failed. Most of them are afraid of their students. They're afraid of the left, and they then should get a new job because this has to be dealt with. This is a rot. This is a moral rot uh, of this generation. Yeah, you know, I was stunned, too. I'll tell you also, Michael, I was shocked to see how many were coming out. And uh, it's uh, George Washington University had the big sign, the big projection saying, you know, uh, basically, thank you to the martyrs of Hamas. Uh, there's been some retrospect. GW, by the way, I just saw a couple hours ago suspending one of the pro-Palestinian groups. It's the same one of, of two that are being canceled uh, temporarily, I should say, because it's suspended right. at Columbia. But but. I've only heard of three so far. I mean, there's a lot of them. It's funny, you know, I'm, I'm a Columbia grad, and um, I was just in the middle of uh, writing a letter back to a reader who uh, said that he had stopped giving there some time ago because uh, I re- remember the, the former president invited uh, Ahmadinejad, the Iranian president, to come. Uh, and so he, he, I also stopped then uh, giving to the college, um, and I got a letter from another alum. I don't know either one of these, but they but they saw that and said that, you know, I stopped giving also one of them over this recent thing. And you're right. The two groups were suspended, but only for, effectively for a month. I mean, the, the semester will be over in a month. Um, and uh, already the faculty is walking out. Students are walking out. The New York Times, very interestingly, has a story on its website today calling two people who said they're Palestinian refugees. Now, I've written to the reporter asking, where are they from? Uh, Because there is no country called Palestine. Uh, And how do you call them a refugee? What makes them a refugee? If I get a response, I'll let you know. But uh, there's a lot of craziness going on out there. 
Michael, this is Pete King. I like you. I was very surprised, but when you look back on it, you know, there have been so many incidents of anti-Semitism in schools like Columbia over the last few years, which were sort of glossed over as being maybe trivial. You realize this has been building up, though, and it's been an acceptable form of bias among intellectuals. Uh, you know, they're not anti-Semitic. They're not anti-Jewish. Somehow, they're intellectuals. The bottom line is they are anti-Semites. Absolutely, Pete. And, uh, you know, I, I'm reminded of the thing, oh, it's just an isolated thing. No, no, it's systemic. This is systemic. This has reached proportions that you cannot excuse it as a few wild cards or a few nut jobs. This is systemic, and I think it very much goes to the heart of, of the faculty. And, I mean, the, for example, in Harvard, 100 faculty members have written denouncing even this weak proposal that the Harvard president finally put out. And on, on this, from the river to the sea, Palestine mm-hmm. will be free. They say it's got a complicated history, and there are different ways to interpret it. Right, and then you hear Rashida Tlaib calling it aspirational. I mean, they can't make that up. (laughs) There there are two ways to interpret it. There's one way. There's one way. It means no Israel. That's what it means. Judge Weinberg, real quick. Michael, the big issue is we have a bad immigration policy. Europe has a bad immigration policy. They let everybody in from the Mideast, and they're changing the culture both here and in Europe. That's the problem, Michael. It's a big one because they clearly don't appreciate what America stands for and what it means. They want to change America to be like their home countries. And why did Western they leave? civilization. Exactly right. Yeah, they're burning the Israeli flag. They're burning the American flag at some of these protests. It's terrible. Thank um, you. Michael, Thank you, Michael, come back Goodwin. soon. Thanks, Michael. My pleasure. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.